Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Colts fans? Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. This is Jake Arthur, joined by Zach Hicks, and we are here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying the show. Thank you for joining us, everybody. The Colts season is now over after last week's wildcard playoff loss to the Bills. So on today's show, we're joined by our good friend Jim Aiello of the Indy Star to do a season in review on the Colts offense, as well as answer a bunch of your questions. Before we get too deep, let's hear from our sponsor. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. One bet I'm particularly interested in this weekend is the Rams and Packers point over under being 45.5. I might have to kill the over button on that one. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-in bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We, of course, are here today to talk about the Colts' offense and the season that they had in 2020. Before we dive into our conversation with Jim Aiello, I'll just kind of give you some a summation, some background information on the Colts' offense and what they did this season. Uh, overall, they finished 10th with 378.1 yards per game. They were 9th in scoring at 28.2 points per game. They were tied for 21st on third down at 39.6%. We talked about that. Pretty much every week. Uh, they were 11th on fourth downs, however, at 61.5% and 21st in the red zone with 56.9%. Again, red zone was an issue. Uh, Pro Football Focus had the Colts offense ranked ninth overall with a grade of 82.4. At quarterback, Phillip Rivers led the way passing. He went 369 of 543 passing, which was 68 point, uh, 68%. He had 4,169 yards, a yards per pass attempt of uh, 7.7. He had 24 touchdown passes compared to 11 interceptions and a passer rating of 97.0. Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the 18th quarterback overall with a grade of 77.2. The Colts ranked 11th in passing the ball with 253.3 yards per game. They were tied for 8th in YPA at 7.6. Jacoby Brissett factors into that a little bit because his lack of passing production when he was out there kind of brought Rivers' average down when it comes to the team. So is really a little better when you factor in just Rivers. 
Uh, and then Pro Football Focus had the Colts as the 13th ranked uh, passing attack with a grade of 76.7. Running the ball, uh, running back Jonathan Taylor led the way with 232 carries for 1,169 yards and a 5.0 average. He actually finished the season ranked third in the NFL in rushing, and he also had 11 rushing touchdowns. Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the sixth best running back in the league at 83.9. And the Colts ranked 11th in rushing at 124.8 yards per game. They were tied for 14th in average yards per carry with 4.3. And Pro Football Focus had them ranked as the fourth rushing, the fourth best rushing attack with a grade of 86.9. At wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton led the way for them with 56 catches on 93 targets. He had 762 yards and a 13.6 yard average, and he had five touchdowns. Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the 29th best wide receiver this season with a 77.7. And then Pro Football Focus ranked the Colts in, as, uh, as a receiving group as a whole 16th with a grade of 77.1. At tight end, Mo Cox led them with 31 catches on 39 targets. For 394 yards, which was a 12.7 yard average, and two touchdowns, Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the seventh best tight end in the league at 78.3. The Colts' offensive line, uh, they gave up, they were tied for the second fewest sacks allowed in the league with 21, and five of those 21 sacks were actually credited to backup offensive tackles, according to PFF. So uh, they actually, they probably did. The best overall uh, for having their starting five might have been the best uh, in the league. Run blocking pro football focus gave them the third best grade in the league at 79.2 and the eighth best grade in pass blocking with a 72.3. Now let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Jim. All right, Colts fans, welcome back. Uh, We've got a very special guest today, Jim Aiello from the Indy Star. It is Indianapolis's sweetheart here to talk about all things Colts offense 2020 with us. Jim, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm, I'm great now. I love that introduction. Absolutely. <laughs> here to make your day. So uh, Colts season now over. Uh, I, I think it's probably where most of us expected. If, if they were going to make the playoffs, they'd probably get one or two rounds in. Wound up being relatively healthy, you know, save for maybe left tackle. Uh, and since we're going to talk about offense today specifically, the biggest piece of offensive news that has come out is Anthony Costanzo has announced his retirement. I think the timing of it is great because you have the entire offseason to plan for it now. Um, so, you know, you, you hate to see a franchise, you know, 10-year left tackle go, especially the same offseason you're trying to figure out quarterback. Uh, but you hate to have those two critical needs in the same offseason, but at least they know they have the, the whole the whole offseason to to think about it. Uh, well, how does how does this absence now strike you guys moving forward going into the offseason? It's so funny. Like, it, I don't think you'd talk about most 11 win playoff caliber teams and be like, but they have holes at quarterback and left tackle. Like that's <laughs> not most of the time you look at those are the teams picking in the top 10 most of the time. Um, so that's kind of funny, but. I, I, I agree with you, at least to the first part of that was uh, definitely it, it's it's the good timing. At least they know going going in um, what they have to do. Uh, I don't know. Chris Bauer is a little bit elusive. It's funny. He's usually pretty like he's a straight shooter when it comes to just about everything. But like 
when we asked him about Quentin Nelson, maybe playing left tackle or what they were going to do, he was kind of like, well, we're going to put the best five linemen out there that we can. And mm-hmm. so I don't know what their plan is there. I kind of expect I'll be honest with you going in. I kind of expect them to be like, we're going to keep Quentin Nelson uh, an all pro left guard where he's an all pro. I kind of expect that he might say that and he didn't. So maybe it's a possibility they move in. Maybe it's a possibility they move Braden. Um, but I just think that overall, like they're, they're, they're still in a good position. They're still, they're, they, they still have the draft. The free agent market is actually not bad. There's guys like Trent Williams, Russell Kuhn. Um, there's a couple of right tackles that, that are out there. Some younger guys that are pretty decent that again, if you were shifting your offensive line around, you could maybe make room for them. And then the quarterback wise, um, I think we all, I mean, it's just a huge question mark. I think Philip Rivers played really, really well this year. I think he can win. I think they can win with him. I think that the, the particulars of Frank Reich's offense play to his strengths. Um, and at that, again, you don't want to count on him long-term. You can't. You don't even know if he's coming back this year. Um, but again, I think you can win with him. And I think he does buy you time to find that quarterback of the future, which maybe is Jacob Eason. We don't know. Question mark. Chris Bowers. Chris Bowers was like, I don't know. I asked him if he could even be the backup next year. And he's like, I don't know. You haven't really seen him a lot. So we're going to see. But it gives them time to find that that quarterback of the future. So if they don't, maybe this ties the whole thing back together. Maybe if they don't find that guy in the draft, they can use that first round pick or second round pick on a left tackle to at least plug that hole. So they have plenty of options in front of them while remaining competitive going to next year. Yeah. And the biggest thing, honestly, when I look at it is like, like Jake said, it's early in the off season, you know, what, what the needs are. Uh, but personally for me, when I look at it, you know, left tackle is obviously a huge need. The, the Colts need to get some left tackle, but I think anyone thinking that's a bigger need than quarterback right now is, is a little out of their mind with that <laughs> mainly, you know, we saw what the Colts late in the season, right? When Will Holden got out there, uh, when Jared Veldier got out there, two basically guys off the street, they looked fine. And the offense was still able to, to be capable, especially when Veldier stepped in for the playoff game and against the Jaguars. So you, you can get away with capable at left tackle, especially with how the Colts did it with Brayden Smith when he was learning the ropes of, of right tackle. They were giving him help every single play. They were um, making it a lot easier for him. So I think if they're going to go with like a mid-round rookie at left tackle or maybe even a swing guy um, that they find off the street or even Quentin Nelson, they can survive with that. We saw with Jacoby Brissett in 2019, you can't survive with the quarterback play like that. Uh, so there needs to be some kind of plan of attack quarterback. That's the biggest thing for me. Uh, if it is Philip Rivers coming back for one more year, I think the Colts would be fine with that because he looked really good for most of this year. And if he gets a whole offseason, uh, more time to develop chemistry with, with Michael Pittman and getting Paris Campbell back, you know, a lot of things. Um, I think they can be fine with him there, but they do need to figure that out. I think is the biggest thing. Left tackle is big, obviously. Pass rusher is big. Maybe another corner is big, but uh, the quarterback is end all be all right now in this offseason. Absolutely. And Jim, you mentioned, you know, you thought Philip Rivers played really well. And like Zach said, when you look at 2019, the quarterback position was definitely an upgrade. The offense was run how Frank like. Frank Reich likes to run it. You kind of saw the same thing early when Andrew Luck was playing uh, in 2018. Even though there's a lot of short stuff, you could tell they were able to do what they wanted. Um, I mean, Philip Rivers, you know, nearing 40 years old. Sure, he doesn't have that great arm strength, but he was able to push the ball down the field when he wanted. He took shots. Um, you, we, we saw a lot of Naheem Hines, which we all assumed was going to happen. What is, what's your evaluation of Philip Rivers? And since there was so much Jacoby Brissett involved in short yardage stuff, we'll lump him in there. What was your evaluation of the the quarterback position in 2020? 
Uh oh, I think I'm I might be the lone like Jacoby defender uh, in terms of the the short yardage stuff. So you got the right guy on to talk about that. At least if you want to anger some people. Um, but we'll start we'll start with Philip Rivers. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I, I did not think. Listen, the the one thing that this offense. I mean, they lacked a lot of things which Jacoby just said a quarterback, but one of the major things they lacked was explosive plays. And I didn't know, given Phillip Rivers' arm strength, if they were going to be able to get them. And, and again, arm strength not the only thing, but his inability to buy time in the pocket for the most part or to extend plays. Those are things he doesn't do very well. So I thought, okay, well, that's how most quarterbacks generate big plays is, is either sitting back in the pocket for a long time, extending plays, or chucking it with a very strong arm. He was able to do it. Um, again, within the confines of Frank Reich's offense by just getting the ball out of his hand very quickly before defenses had a chance to react. Like, it's very hard to explain, I think, to to fans. And again, I'm not saying it, it's just it's hard to explain that how good he is at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap, identifying a defense and putting the Colts in position to succeed. He is phenomenally good at it. I've talked to so many of his former teammates. But one guy who enlightened me the most was Eric Weddle, the safety he used to go at. Um, with the Chargers, he's got all pro safety. And he was like, man, the battles we would have mentally, just trying to get guys in the right spots or like knowing exactly when the guy is blitzing. Like Kenny Moore was blown away by the fact that he could be like, yeah, Kenny's blitzing. I can tell that's what's happening. We're going to do this and do this to adjust. Like Darius Leonard, same thing. Oh, linebackers, you think you're hiding it? No, linebackers blitzing. I can beat that. Like he's incredibly good at it. That's what he does best. And to me, that's why I kind of like him for next year. Again, if that's the option they go with, just because physically you can't, I hate to say it this way to a guy like Phil Rivers, but he can't get much more physically limited than he already is. Like he's not going to get worse physically. Um, he's pretty immobile. So the mental stuff hasn't gone. We saw that the arm strength is good enough. We saw that again. I don't really care, care about the hail Mary at the end of the playoff game. I know that was a big deal to a lot of people, but I don't, I don't particularly care. He doesn't have to throw a lot of passes like that throughout the year. I still think they should have put Jacoby out there for that play, but whatever doesn't affect my evaluation of Phil Rivers. Uh, going forward. So again, I think that this offense as, as Zach made a great point too. It's one of the points that I wanted to make and forgot. So I'm glad he did. Um, he does develop chemistry with these guys. I thought you could see it with T.Y. Hilton for sure, but Zach Pascal was a, a, a guy that I thought, oh, he trusts him going back shoulder. Oh, he trusts him going over, you know, going over the top of a DB or again, Mo Alley Cox, like he's going to throw it up high when the DB is not looking and he's going to know Moe's going to be there. I thought he really developed a rapport with some of his targets um, that could be strengthened in year two, depending on, you know, who comes back. And then the other one, I'll just touch on quickly, let Zach go, but Jacoby Brissett, I thought did a really great job most of the time in, in, in short yardage. He was pretty much unstoppable in the sneak game. Obviously the, the, the playoff game, he had the one, but I think for the most part, that, I think that was the only sneak he was stuffing on. Um, he, again, he's really good at evaluating for the most part, when he's on those RPOs, when he should give, when he should keep. For the most part, he made the right calls on those this year and the, turned him into first downs. I thought Frank Reich might expand and let him throw a little bit more just to keep defenses a little bit more on edge. Uh, the one throw he did have in that was not a very good pass. Um, he did. He just missed either. Again, it's not good when you don't know who he was throwing to. He either missed T.Y. Hilton or he missed Michael Pittman. I don't know who he missed, but he missed somebody. Not great uh, when you don't know who you're throwing to. So, again, I think if that package were to evolve, You'd like to see him throw, just keep defenses more on edge. But overall, I thought it worked really, really well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the quarterback play was very strong this year for the goal, especially coming after, yeah, in 2019, the quarterback play overall just wasn't consistent, wasn't great. Uh, we've kind of noticed that, you know, 2019, we got to see big arm, traitsy quarterback, but wasn't able to read a defense quickly, wasn't able to get the ball out quick. That doesn't work for Frank Reich's offense. Meanwhile, in 2020, you get a very limited quarterback, but you get a quarterback who – is cerebrally just ahead of everybody. He can get that ball out quick. He knows anticipation routes. I mean, everything like that. 
so I think we just saw that big increase there. And I was a big fan of the Rivers signing when it happened, uh, mainly to be get to just get that upgrade at quarterback. But he even blew away my expectations for the most part. I thought he uh, was outstanding. And, you know, with, with Jacoby Brissett, that, that's a tough role. That, that's a tough role, you know, to go from the starter in 2019. They bring in your replacement. And they say, hey, we're just going to give you some plays where you can either run or, or fall forward and <laughs> get that. Uh, that. That's a tough role for anybody. And, you know, by all accounts, he's a great teammate, great leader in that locker room, great dude. Um, you know, he's probably going to end up somewhere else with a chance to maybe start somewhere or be like a prime backup. Uh, and he definitely deserves that. I mean, again, it didn't work out in 2019. His cal- his type of quarterback doesn't work in this offense. But, you know, somewhere else that could definitely work. So. Um, it, it does kind of suck in a way that, that that personality and that type of person is going to be leading the locker room. Uh, but I, I think, you know, for him taking on the role he did and still being the great teammate and still being the, the competitive he was, I mean, I think that – I don't know how many guys would be like that. So uh, he definitely deserves some, some props for that. Yeah, I, I thought Rivers gave the Colts exactly what they needed at the position this year. Uh, they didn't have to be one dimensional. I mean, I think we we saw tons of times in 2019 where teams just loaded up against the run. There were, there was that game in Houston where it was just almost comical. Like they they weren't even really trying to pass. They ran I think 40 or so times, but it allowed the playbook to open up. They 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 could keep the defense honest a little bit. Uh, but but looking at those pass catchers, we kind of touched on wide receiver and tight end. Uh, T.Y. Hilton had a very slow start to the season. Uh, him and Philip Rivers really started clicking about midway and, and later on. T.Y., he had five touchdowns on the season, which is about a normal bounty for him, but he got it within a few games, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Saw Zach Paschal, even though he wasn't the number one option like he basically was most of the year before, he actually improved his stats. Uh, he had great chemistry with with Rivers. We saw Mo Cox basically – triple his his career statistics or, or an average season for him uh, he finally broke out a little bit um some unfortunate injuries paris campbell just a freak thing it's going to be another thing that goes on his file under injury prone but i mean there's only so much you can do when you get nailed right in the knee you know uh, michael Pittman, i think had a quality rookie season uh what, what were your guys's thoughts on on this uh these outside weapons and i guess the tight ends as well for the colts yeah, so I guess if you start at the top, um, well, I'll start with Paris just because I'm with you. I, I, I'm not really ready to label him injury prone yet. And I know that's maybe a stupid thing to say that he's missed pretty much two full years because of injuries, mm-hmm. but they really are fluky. I mean, sports hernia, broken hand, broken foot, like broken bones aren't really a common thing in the NFL. He's not, they're not repeatable injuries. So you don't right. really say like that makes them injury prone. And then, yeah, Harrison Smith. I, I'm going to say dove at his knee and I don't mean that it was dirty. He just dove at his knee and that's what happened to happen. So, uh, he, you know, blew up the PCL and the MCL. I just think there were fluky injuries. Now, I don't know that means if you can count on him going forward or not um, because two years of, of lost, lost to injury. I remember I, I grew up in Chicago. I watched a lot of bears. Kevin white was a guy that everybody loved for two years, but he missed the first couple of years because of injury. And I think that just set him back totally. And again, you never really heard from Kevin white again. So I hope that doesn't happen to Paris Campbell. I'm not saying that's what will, but it's one of those things where you lose two, two years to injury. It's going to be tough. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, again, I think you're right. I think it was just a, a chemistry thing with him. I have watched him a lot. I don't necessarily, again, is he the same guy he was when he was 25? Probably not um, physically, but I don't think he's lost that much of a step. Like I think if in a different offense that liked featuring one guy or two or three guys, he could still be a thousand yard receiver. 
this offense just didn't really want to be that. They wanted to spread the ball around a lot. And, and if you, as soon as the defense thought they were going to, you know, stop T.Y. Hilton, okay, they'll go to Pascal or Mo Ali Cox or something like anytime they thought a defense thought they knew what they were going to do to stop the passing attack. I think they tried to go somewhere. At least that's what they tried to do to go somewhere else. So I didn't really discount again. Hilton's season is like, a, Oh, he's clearly fallen off a cliff after 30. I just think that the offense he was in and, and he talked about it a little bit that Frank Reich said at the beginning of the year, it's going to take sacrifice to be part of this offense this year, because we're going to move, we're going to spread the ball around. I think that's what happened. Um, Pittman. I, 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 I thought he's, I think he's going to be great. I thought, I, again, the, the thing I'll just say with him is the yards after the catch stuff. I, I I should have maybe known this by watching his tape in college, but I did not think he was going to be as good as he was at it in the NFL. Like, he is a monster after the catch, just in terms of speed and running guys over. That's and Colts fans are going to love watching that for years. Zach Pascal is Zach Pascal. I, I Again, I'm a huge fan of who, or what he does. Uh, it's beyond the blocking, though I love the blocking. Uh, but he just, he's just a grinder and it's hard not to cheer for a guy like that. Good hands, solid routes, like nothing spectacular, but a guy you love having as your, I think you love having as your wide receiver four. And then when somebody gets hurt, cause you know, they will, you're fine with him as your three. Like that's, that's like the perfect role for me for Zach Pascal. Uh, and then the tight ends. I, I, I don't know if there's room on the Mo Alleycox bandwagon with Zach, like hoarding all of it himself. Um, but I, I tried to squeeze on early at the end of like, at the end, like early in the year. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I hope, I hope he does. I hope they, I, I, I big fan of his game. I should say, I hope they expand his role a little bit more. Um, obviously with Jack Doyle, I think there's some repeatable stuff that Jack Doyle does that Mo Ali Cox could do and take on next year. Um, and then, so I think they need to find that maybe that, that more versatile receiver. I don't know that they're going to bring Trey Burton back. They might bring in a young guy. I don't know. Um, but again, and then there's Jack Doyle. I think that's the last guy I haven't really touched on. I thought Jack, Jack did Jack things. Actually, I thought he had a really good end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, he's yeah. still the most reliable blocker I think they have and just knows the offense inside and out. And they love Jack Doyle. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, so again, he's a reliable contributor, no longer the focal point of an offense, but, but still very good. Yeah. And just so I'm not repeating pretty much because you guys kind of hit it all right there. Um, the couple things I would add to that is with Michael Pittman Jr., I feel confident. I was like disappointed yet, like very confident with his rookie season disappointed in the, in the sense that when he got that breakout around week 10, you know, is all those crossing routes that he was getting, uh, he was playing a lot in the slot. I really expect his role to kind of expand from there and be more of downfield and be more intermediate. You know, I I thought he was going to be kind of opened up a little bit in the offense and we kind of still saw that same role. Uh, he didn't really open up a little bit until the playoff game against the Bills, and that's what we saw. You know, he got a contesting catch over Trey White. He got a, a, a ball that was thrown high to him. He made a big play, a screen pass. You know, a lot of those those scheme touches along with going down the field. I wanted to see that kind of all year. So I was a little disappointed. But, you know, the biggest takeaway I had from his season is I'm pretty convinced he's going to be a legit player in this league. Like, there was nothing that said this year that he's not going to be. Uh, just going to be, you know, whoever the future quarterback is going to be, his chemistry with them. I think he's going to be great for this team. Like my my expectations going forward after this year for him compared to going into this year are much higher because I, I really think he's going to be legit. Um, on top of that, you know, I, I would say T.Y. Hilton, I think, finished so strong and and has been such a good, you know, player for this team for so long. I do think he should be a priority to re-sign this year because of how well he played. Um and I think just that, you know, Marley Cox bandwagon has been something I've been on for a while. You know, back in his VCU days when I was watching him in college. <laughs> so that's kind of where that came from. Uh, but I think I would love to see his role expand a little bit, too. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he got derailed a little bit by an injury halfway through the year and it kind of threw off everything. Um, and the last point I'll throw in there is, you know, he's he's not really a guy who's 
going to be guaranteed snaps or anything, but some guy who really intrigued me was DeMichael Harris. I, I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a stud or even a, a rosterable player, but I, he did enough in what I saw to where I can be intrigued, you know, going into next off season, keeping him around, uh, seeing what he can do in the preseason. I, I'm very intrigued by what he can be. Uh, so he's someone to watch, I think. But overall, I, I really like the receiving group and the tight end group. Uh, Rivers did a good job of spreading around, not really force feeding anybody, uh, built some chemistry with the guys. I, I think it was a very productive year for this group. I'm, I'm glad you brought up DeMichael Harris because uh, he was going to slip the mind. But that's that's someone who when they I felt like when they thought they had the luxury of having that extra wide receiver active on game day, he was able to give them some of those things they would have wanted to do with Paris Campbell. Uh, so it gave them a little diversity right there. So I, I really liked that. Uh, now he did, of course, watch this segue. He did, of course, participate in the run game occasionally. Speaking of the run game. Well <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There was uh, some peaks and valleys early on. Marlon Mack went down. It immediately forced Jonathan Taylor into the starting role. It looked okay those first couple weeks afterward, but then it kind of hit a lull where they they just were going hot hand, and it just didn't seem like they really knew what they wanted to do quite yet. And then you look at the last quarter or so of the season, and things blow up. Taylor is you know going for hundred yard games, and then by the end of the season, he's third in the league in rushing, like the quietest third leading rusher in the NFL that I can remember in forever. Yeah. Is Derrick Henry with a two thousand yard year? Dalvin Cook doing huge things, and then all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor is third in the league in rushing. Uh, Naheem Hines, I thought, looked more improved as a runner as well. I think we've all been satisfied with his role the past few years, but now seeing him actually with like a respectable yards per carry and things like that on top of his duties as a as a pass catcher, really refreshing. Uh, Jordan Wilkins did well, I, I thought. I mean, it, it forced Jonathan Taylor kind of the, to the back seat briefly when Wilkins was, uh, was out there, we didn't have uh, any real heartwarming, like Jonathan Williams stories this year going for 102 weeks. In a row. Wish. Wish. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what uh, shoot, considering how different things look from week one to week 17, what, what uh, are your impressions of the run game? I love that you incorporate shoot, by the way, I think that everyone in Indianapolis <laughs> is saying shoot collectively more often now. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just a thing that's like just it pervaded all of our language now. So, yes. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll start with Marlon Mack. I, I really thought he was in for a huge year. And Chris Ballard pretty much summarized kind of my thoughts. It was heartbreaking watching it happen. He was playing for a contract. He was and I thought he was on his way to again. He wasn't going to get like super paid like McCaffrey or, um, you know, Camaro, one of those guys. But he was going to get a good contract and and make his living in the NFL. And he was going to deserve it because he had he had progressed quite a bit. So it was heartbreaking um, to see that happen to him. I don't know what's up next for him. I do think that um, there's maybe a chance he's back with the Colts, even though I think Chris Ballard kind of at first he kind of dismissed it. But I, I think there's a chance that the market doesn't develop for him the way that maybe it should. Um, and, and that he might have to come back on a one-year cheap deal and, and be a part of the Colts next year. So who knows um, what his future holds. But what the Colts do know is that they have a star, I think, in Jonathan Taylor. Or uh, this is the guy that I think they can count on uh, going forward. I want to, Before we get to the running stuff, I just want to mention the two biggest knocks on him going into the year were his patch-catching ability and fumbles. Uh, he was great pass catcher all year until the playoffs. I know he had a couple drops. But all the way up until that point, very good pass catcher uh, and proved that he could be a three down back. And then he fumbled one time the entire game. And I think Marlon Humphrey, who was just incredible at forcing fumbles this year was the one who got him. 
Uh, yeah. So that, that, again, he's just had a fantastic season in terms of those things. And then um, I thought the biggest progression for him, I, I, it feels so cliche and I hate saying it, but like he, it did just take reps and confidence for him. I just felt like he did get better with more reps and more confidence. One of the things I thought was a big deal was that he didn't run a lot out of uh, shotgun at Wisconsin. He had to kind of learn how to do that here in Indianapolis. And they didn't put him in a ton of those scenarios early on, but it was like half of his carries. So that was a lot to learn uh, for him. And I thought the timing and developing the chemistry with the offensive line, those things just take time. Chris Ballard talked about this a lot the other day. Like you just have to be patient with some of these guys. Like they will get better. They have talent. They work hard. You have to, they, they, they will get better. And a guy like Jonathan Taylor, I think you saw when he ran with confidence, like one of the biggest knocks on him, I think Zach maybe brought this up early, but one of the biggest knocks on him early was he wasn't breaking tackles. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't breaking tackles because to me, he wasn't hitting the holes with confidence. And once you're doing that, you can shed tacklers way easier. And you're you're making guys miss at the second level. That's easier to do when you're doing it behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. So I thought that was one of the biggest things he did. And then just to touch on Naheem Hines, um, I thought he had a really great year. He ran really well at the end, especially. I actually was surprised how well he ran um, just as a pure runner. Because, I, I, again, I think he's good at it. I didn't think he was great at it. But I am going to kind of give way to Zach because I know he did a big piece on, on Naeem Hines here <laughs> in terms of how he ran well. And so you're going to speak better to it than I would. Yeah, no, it's funny. I was going to let you guys do the whole Jonathan Taylor stuff. And I was going to say <laughs> how my biggest takeaway from the offense this year, like one of my biggest takeaways was just the improvements from Naeem Hines. And, you know, Naeem Hines, we always knew what he was. I mean, he, he told me in an interview last year. I'm going to quote that interview a couple of times here. But, um, you know, Tom Rathman told him right when he first came to the Colts, you know, you're here to catch balls. You know, you can't drop passes. You can't do anything like that. You're here to catch passes. You might get some runs, but you're here to catch passes. And now I think we're at the point where a guy like Marlon Mack probably won't be back with the Colts because Naeem Hines looks that good like a runner. Uh, he, he went from 3.9 yards per carry throughout his first two years in the NFL uh, to 4.8 this year, if you count the playoffs. Uh, he had 19 runs over 10 yards this year. His first two years combined, he had 12. Uh, so he improved on all those areas. And that was some, one thing he actually told me in the, in the offseason. He said uh, the biggest thing for him is just creating bigger plays. And that was something he wasn't doing in his first two years. And then we finally saw it this year where it seemed like every other carry he was breaking. I, I think it was 18% of his carries this year went over uh, 10 yards. So he was just a very explosive change of pace back. And when you have a guy like Taylor who you can feed 30 something times and he's going to, you know, he's going to eventually break one. Someone like Hines who can come in for five carries a game and break one. Uh, that that's just huge. So I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor's development into a pure number one back and maybe even a top, like one of the top 10 backs in football was a huge development. Uh, but when you, when you have the combined improvements from Naeem Hines, you know, with that, I think you're getting a really, really good one, two punch. I think pro football focus said something that uh, EPA wise, the Colts had more wins added uh, due, with the duo of Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor than the Titans had from Derrick Henry this year. So that that's how big that duo was for the Colts. Uh, so I think going forward, that's going to be one of the better duos in football, uh, especially once the Colts eventually give Hines his extension, which I'm, assume, I'm assuming will come this next offseason. Uh, but, yeah, I think the running back group was great towards the end of the year. And uh, with with Hines and Taylor's improvement, I think you just have to have so much confidence in that group going forward. And, of course, the the Colts offensive line, you know, that's, that's the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, they ranked, they were tied for second in terms of sacks, uh, just 21 sacks allowed. Uh, and then pro football focus graded them pretty well also. And actually speaking of those sacks, uh, PFF said five of those were credited to backup tackles. So it's not quite your, Chaz your Green. all-star. Yeah. Chaz Green had like four. It was unbelievable. Um, he gave up more sacks than I think Braden Smith, Galinsky, 
and Nelson combined. Yeah, it was it was very heavy <laughs> on the Chaz Green atop the the sack counter. Uh, but uh, PFF had them third in the NFL in run blocking and eighth in pass blocking, so pretty quality all around. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of kind of shakeup at, at tackle, but the interior remained the same pretty much the whole time. Um, I think there was. I think there was kind of a slow start to the season from the offensive line. The pass blocking seemed to be good, but the running just didn't seem to be there. Maybe it was chemistry with Jonathan Taylor too. That that could be part of it. Uh, but what did you guys think about the offensive line this year? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I, said, I, I think it was slow to start, but I do think that had a lot to do with where um, Jonathan Taylor was in terms of being able to figure out where the holes were going to be, when they were going to open up, that kind of thing. Though I will say, like, Naheem Hines didn't run that well early on either. So I do think the offensive line, you could say, was slow to start. Um, I think Quentin Nelson, I'll just say this. I think there were times during the year where I think he was playing maybe more hurt than he was letting on. Uh, I don't think he looked like the elite left guard. Again, at times, I thought toward the end of the year, he was back to being that guy. But I actually thought toward parts of the year, he just didn't look quite the same. Getting blown off the off the ball a couple times by, you know, a Tennessee defensive lineman, I had to look up. And that doesn't ever happen. Like, yeah. again, it's just like, it was a guy, I'm like, who's this guy? He's an undrafted free agent. He's beating Quentin Nelson. That's weird. Um, and again, not to discount that guy, uh, but again, it just wasn't, you know, vintage Quentin Nelson, but I thought Anthony Costanzo had a very, a very, very good year um, in pass blocking. And, and so it's obviously it stinks that they don't have him anymore. Um, Cause that's a guy that Frank Reich has said over and over again. Like, it's just so nice to like, when you're making your game plan, you can just be like, okay, Anthony's good on the left. We don't have to worry about it. No big deal. So they're going to have to figure out somebody who can, who can do that for them. Uh, I think Ryan Kelly continues to get better. Philip Rivers immediately was like, that was one of the, he doesn't usually throw around like he's the best or that guy's the best. He said Philip or he said Ryan Kelly was probably arguably one of the best centers in the NFL. And that, that's, that means a lot from a guy who's been in the league for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then going across to, uh, to the Glowinski, I thought had a pretty good year. I actually think this is a good time to talk about, I think the offensive line being um, sometimes, you know, the, the whole unit can be really good with individuals, maybe not being like they, like you can plug somebody into a really good unit and they could be okay. I think Zach was maybe referring to this at left tackle, but like you can plug in somebody who's replacement level on a really good offensive line and it can function. It can be really good too. Uh, I think sometimes you see that with Mark Lewinsky, that when they're down a couple of their, their better starters, that Lewinsky's holes start to get exposed a little bit. Um, I thought when he was playing next to Chaz Green on the right, it was a little dicey for both of them, obviously. Um, so I thought that was, uh, something again, Glinsky overall can be a part of a good offensive line, but when you need to rely on him, not my favorite. And then again, I'm going to seek ground here to, to Zach on Braden Smith. I thought Braden Smith took a huge step forward. Uh, I thought he was great uh, in terms of, he was always a pretty good run blocker given that he had that kind of history as a guard. But I, and I liked him in the, in the kind of road grading role, but he's come along so far as a pass, as a pass blocker. But again, I know Zach put a lot of time into this, so I'm going to seek the ground. Zach. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like I started the unintentional like Braden Smith for all pro talk, whatever, which I I wasn't even on board with that. Uh, but you know, Braden Smith, I think, had a great year. Like it was an outstanding season. Um, I know I kept I kept tweeting out the the stat or whatever that he gave zero sacks, and I kept it going here the, like last like six weeks of the season because I really wanted to see him get to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he was outstanding this year. I I really think he took he's taken so much strides in the the Strasser and Howard Mudd. Uh, blocking style you know that aggressive blocking style where you get on guys quick flash your hands you know I, I, I've done a lot of research on that done a lot of coaching clinics and stuff on that stuff and uh, yeah he, he looks just like a Howard Mudd offensive tackle should uh, and, and it's really good to see um, that he's taken so much strides in, in that area 
you know, there's obviously still some areas where he can get better. I think he's, he gave up like 30 uh, hurries this year, or like 25 hurries this year. So obviously not a perfect season, but uh, it's a huge step up to where he was in 2018, where they had to have a, a running back chip every single time or have a tight end on his side and chip every single play. Uh, so just a just a huge season from him. And then the other player I'll mention here, just because, you know, we're talking about the starters. I do want to mention Danny Pinter and his one start he had this year, I thought was really strong. Uh, when I went back through that tape, you know, I think it was after one of their losses. Nobody really wanted to hear about an offensive lineman. But uh, <laughs> when I watched every single snap, I thought that there was maybe, I think, two uh, plays where he got bull rushed a little bit. And I think one of them was by Simmons from the from the Titans. Uh, but for the most part, I think it was a really, really strong game. Uh, now that's his first start at center and I think ever. So, yeah, I, I think that was uh, – I'm really excited for him going forward too. You know, he, he might not be a starter, but if he's a, a depth piece across the interior offensive line, I think uh, he can be a good player. So uh, really impressed with the offensive line for the most part, especially once they got uh, Jared Valdir and even, even Will Holden in late in the season. I thought he played pretty well in that one game. Um, for the most part, again, Chris Strasser I think is one of the better offensive line coaches in football, does a really good job with that group. Got Braden, like you know, help Braden Smith get to where he is. Mark Kowinski, uh got definitely elevated his play. Ryan Kelly is among the best in the league. Uh, so yeah, offense line. I think for a long time we won't really have to worry about it too much. Can I ask one question, Jake? Yeah, sorry. let's hear it. No, you're good. I want to know how close you guys think the contracts are going to be between Braden Smith's extension and Quentin Nelson's extension because it's going to be close. It's gonna, I think it's going to be. Gonna be- yeah, yeah, I, it's going to be a ton of money, and I think a lot of people would just assume Quentin Nelson's going to make a boatload more. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be true, but I was curious what you guys thought. I think, I mean, I don't know what his exact figures are, but I I think we know every time a marquee tackle is up for the, it, the, the price goes up and up and up. So God, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Braden Smith gets like Mitchell Schwartz money yeah. and Mitchell Schwartz was probably the top right tackle paid at the time. Uh, Quentin, I mean, tackles just get more money in general. Uh, Quentin is probably going to be the highest paid interior lineman ever. I would imagine when he gets his deal, but uh, yeah, Braden Smith, I would imagine is going to get Schwartz money. Yeah. Braden will. Yeah. It would definitely beat out Conklin from what Conklin got last year. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Conklin's Conklin was an all pro this year. So I mean, Conklin's obviously a good player, Uh, but it will probably beat out Conklin what he got last year. Um, Yeah. It's going to be up there. It's going to be a lot. Uh, Quentin Nelson is going to be close to 20 million, I'm sure, a year as well. This is why it's important to get a rookie quarterback in here and also yep. a rookie left tackle. Yes. <laughs> yep. Because you got those two. Uh, you know, Hines isn't going to make a ton, but he's going to make a little bit. Darius Leonard's going to make a ton. Uh, Buckner's already making a ton. We're going to have to get some rookies in here on yeah. some rookie contracts at a yep. big position. That's that's the if there's a downside to acquiring so much good young talent talent all in a year or two, that's the downside yeah. is you have yeah. to and then isn't the salary cap gonna like go down or something soon? Was that right? It's it's supposed to either go down a little or stay the same, but it should they're hoping it'll go back up again in the it, following year. Because it normally does go up every year. So right. yeah. Yeah, just Not this off time. season it's gonna either plateau or go down a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, they, they project it to keep going back up like it used to, because there's no reason once, you know, if we ever get out of this COVID, we'll be in COVID <laughs> forever. If we ever get out of COVID or whatever, then you'll start having fans back in the stadiums and you'll get, you know, obviously the, the increase in that. But yeah. until then, 
might plateau a little it, bit. It's going to be fast. Like the agents I've talked to already, I'm like, are you, what are you, what are you guys thinking about with contracts? And they're like, same, not changing. Don't care about the salary cap. Like they're like, <laughs> we'll push the guaranteed money to the next year. I don't care. Like, but as long as like yeah. they want the same guarantees they were going to get before. So it's going to be a fascinating off season. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Now, so I, th- I think we pretty much touched on everything positionally. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys got time for some questions, getting to some specifics. Yeah, man. All right. I gotta, I'm going to go get, I'm going to beer run after this. So I think all right. Good. There you go. So yeah, I, again, I think we all get pretty similar questions on pretty much a daily basis. So I, I kind of took everything we got from when we sent out the call for questions this week and kind of grouped them by most frequent, frequent topic. Number one, of course. Is Andrew Luck coming back is going to be number one. Believe no. it or not, I don't have that one in here. Luckily. Oh, okay, there yeah. we're, we're moving on. We're this, past the denial. <laughs> yeah. So this this first one is considering they have needs at often or at left tackle and quarterback. What do you see being the highest priority with the first pick? And I'm not going to even say 21st overall because I think we all know Chris's. Chris's mindset is probably trade back first. And then if there's <laughs> something he loves there, then he'll pick. But with, with the Colts first pick, whenever that happens to be, uh, what do you see being the priority? So given what Chris Ballard said is about quarterbacks, which was interesting, which was, I don't think any, he essentially said there's not gonna be a good one or one that's good enough for us. That's going to mm-hmm. fall to 21. Um, he didn't say I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first round. So I do think you keep open the op, the possibility that he trades up. Again, he understands how important the position is. And if a guy he likes starts to fall, I mean, you've seen, again, he, I, I say this a lot, but he came from Kansas City where they were preparing in the offseason that he left for Indianapolis. They were preparing to draft Patrick Mahomes and trading up from 27 to 10. So, and he did it while they had, Alex, they did it while they had Alex Smith there. Mm-hmm. So they, they know the best time to do a draft a quarterback, I think, is to draft one while you have a veteran. Um, and you're still competitive and he can learn and all that stuff. Again, you can throw him into the wolves right away. That works too. But I like the idea of giving him an ear to grow behind, especially a guy like Philip Rivers. So mm-hmm. if there's a quarterback he likes, we talked about this. We all agree. Quarterback is the number one priority. Future, finding the future of the position is the number one priority for the Colts. So if that guy's there and they have to move up to get him, do it. I don't care what the price is. You do it if you believe in that guy. However, at 21 or wherever they're going to be, if they don't like a quarterback, I'm torn. But I, again, I think it's left tackle. I think it's left tackle and you kind of have to find that and solidify that if, as long as you haven't done it in free agency already. But the other one I'll just throw out there is I, I'd like to see kind of a, an edge rusher. I, I, I unfortunately, Chris Ballard has taken some shots at this with Kamoko Ture, with Ben Banigou. Um, and again, I'm not saying those guys are done. I, I don't, or that they can't develop, but none of them, they haven't emerged yet. So you don't know if you have the, the great outside rusher yet. I think that's part of, again, divorce Buckner took this defense to another level. I think if you've got a great outside pass rusher, Oof, like look out like this, this defense could be trouble for a lot of people. And again, you're, you're in an AFC with like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and soon to be Trevor Lawrence. And like, this is, it's a really, really good AFC. You're going to need to disrupt passers. If you can get a great edge rusher, I'd be real tempted at 21 or wherever they pick. Yeah. The only thing I'll add to the quarterback thing is obviously quarterback number one, by far and away, even if the Colts are going into the draft with Phillip Rivers signed, and in line to start Will Holden at left tackle. I would rather them trade up for a quarterback that they liked than sit there and take a tackle. Quarterback is number one, Mm -hmm. uh, getting that future. uh, I mean, again, like you just mentioned, the ASC is stacked with quarterbacks. I mean, Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is about to be in here, Josh Allen, 
Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, like this is just a loaded AFC with quarterbacks. Uh, and not saying that you need to take one because others have them. Like we saw this year, this last year, the Colts can be competitive with a mid-level quarterback, but you need to find that young guy, especially with the contracts coming up with uh, essentially that need for the franchise guy since luck left. So uh, if he loves Trey Lance or he loves Zach Wilson or, or Justin Fields and they're there in the, you know, six, seven, eighth pick, you know, you got to pull the trigger. You got to get up there. I think that that is the far and away the biggest need is finding that court until they have a young guy who they are fully committed to developing or starting. That's the number one need uh, until then nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that can be risky sometimes. I, I think teams really feel that's risky to move up that much, but you yeah. look at, you know, the chiefs, for example, had to move up for Mahomes. If you hit, you don't mind taking that, you know, sure. You're going to be without some high draft capital in the following years, which of course Ballard loves, but I think he would also love to have a top five, top 10 quarterback within their top first three years or so, you know, that that'd be my thing too. Um, you got to get quarterback solidified. If we're talking realistic options. There's more likely to be a left tackle or edge rusher available if they stayed at 21. But I think all three of us, like we've said, are on board with go up and get your guy. Like if they're in this draft, go up and get them. Because Chris said the other day, of course, there's a difference between drafting one just to take one and drafting the right one. If there is the right one in this draft, go get them. He has great relationships with teams in front of them, the Jets, namely, even though they're really high in the draft. But shoot, I mean, how many former Colts have been on the Jets? Like there's a relationship (laughs) there. Like um, hopefully yeah. the Jets trade back and then we can trade up with them. Yeah. Like they trade back to like seven or eight and then we can trade up with them. Perfect. Nice yeah. That would, yeah. Cause if they want to stick with Sam Darnold, then they're going to trade back. They're not going oh, yeah. to stay there. They already got Mackay backed in, in 2020. So they'll trade back. I can almost guarantee it. Um, okay. So that of course segues beautifully into this next one quarterback specifically. We've all, we've all heard all the scenarios Fans want Deshaun Watson, Matt Stafford, Sam Darnold, uh, guys who aren't even free agents. Like they want to trade for him. What do you foresee being the Colts' plan of attack at quarterback this offseason? I think it's Rivers. I, I mean, I think I think we've heard pretty much where where everybody like Philip Rivers has said. I don't know yet for sure if I'm coming back, but I think I'm going to want to. I know the competitive kind of crazy person that he is in a good way. I think he's going to want to come back considering how, again, how good the Colts were this year. Um, Frank Reich said he wants him back. Chris Ballard said he wants him back. Obviously he has to do his due diligence and, and explore what's available in the free agent and trade markets. And again, like Zach mentioned, like you can bring back rivers and still draft a guy. So I'm not really even worried about the draft. Like you can still do both, but in terms of the veterans, like Deshaun Watson's not happening. I'm not going to get, it's just not going to happen. No, nope. Dak Prescott is not happening. Um, Dallas is crazy. They're not that crazy. Um, Matthew Stafford, I, again, we can get into the debate. I don't think he's that big of an upgrade. I don't trust him to stay healthy. Um, I don't know why you'd want to go four different quarterbacks for Frank Reich in four years for a guy that you don't know is going to be your long-term answer there. That doesn't appeal to me at all. Matt Ryan's 36, so we're in the same boat. Uh, Sam Darnold's not being traded. And Carson Wentz, we don't know if he's being traded. That's the only one I would say that if Frank Reich goes to Chris Ballard and says, that guy is a franchise quarterback, I can fix him. I can turn him back into what he was before. And Chris Ballard says, are you sure I can get him for a second or a third round pick or whatever I can get him for? And he goes, yeah, I can do it. Then I'm then go for it because who we, at this point, Frank Reich has proven he can get the best out of Andrew Luck. I thought he got great stuff out of Jacoby Brissett for the first half of the year. 
but kind of hit his ceiling. And I thought he got great stuff out of Philip Rivers. So if he says I can, I can develop Carson Wentz back into what he was. Okay. Then, then do it. But otherwise I think it's Rivers. Yeah. It's going to be Rivers. I mean, I think essentially when they gave him the one year deal, it was essentially a two year deal, but it was, Hey, if this doesn't work out, we can both go our separate ways. That was kind of, it was like a one year deal with an option <laughs> the next year. Uh, so yeah, I don't, there's, I, I feel like Rivers can be back. Hopefully it's a little bit cheaper than what they just gave him. Uh, be really nice for free agency and really nice with the, the cap going down. If maybe he takes 15 or 20 million a year, that'd be really nice. But either way, uh, I feel like it's going to be Rivers. Uh, doesn't stop them from trading up in the draft, or maybe even a guy like, you know, Mac Jones is there at the 20s, and they really like what they could do with him. You know, whatever. Um, so I, I, I think all those are options. But uh, for the most part, like you said, I think Wentz might be something, but it's it's probably going to be Rivers. I don't really, in, in, you know, see them going another route with that on the free agent or trade market. Um, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be fun if they, if they got like a Stafford or a Ryan, it'd be really fun to talk about, but uh, yeah, it, it's probably gonna be rivers. Yeah. That's where I am. I, I think the mutual interest has got to be real. Like they, they know what Philip gave them this year. Uh, I think if the Colts weren't so close to being a serious, like late postseason contender, he probably wouldn't be interested. Uh, but I think he's probably got another year left. I think they probably want to do one more year. I think the Colts will probably draft someone and then have Eason. That quarterback room is probably Rivers, new draft pick, Eason going into, into so. 2020. What's a new one? Yeah. I mean, who knows oh. how soon like how early in the draft yeah. that quarterback is taken, but I think one will be taken at some point. Um, another one I thought was interesting. Do you see Chris Ballard bringing in a big name wide receiver such as Marvin Jones or Allen Robinson this offseason? Actually, it was just having this like debate with uh, the guy I work with, Indy Star, Joel Erickson. Like mm-hmm. every time we think we know what Chris Ballard's going to do, he kind of does something a little bit different. Like we were like, oh, he would never trade his first round pick. Like he loves picks too much, and then he <laughs> traded for DeForest Buckner. Yeah. And then we're like, well, he, you know, he would never sign it. He's all about youth. He's trying to build something. He's never going to sign a thirty-eight-year-old quarterback. And then he signs Bill Davis. So like, I think we have a good idea of how Chris Ballard likes to build. But every once in a while, he'll do something out of the ordinary. So I'm going to put that in this category i don't think he will because it's not traditionally how he likes to build he likes to build from the inside out and that's where he spends the majority of his resources on the interior offensive line defensive line that's where he wants to spend his money so bringing in a big name receiver high cost receiver is a better way to phrase it is not in what he usually likes to do that said maybe he thinks they're like a big name receiver away from being that's like the thing they were missing and, and that, that would put him over the top um there are good receivers. Allen Robinson's great. Kenny Galladay is great. I actually like Juju Smith-Schuster quite a bit too. I, I know he hasn't done great things in Pittsburgh, but I kind of like the versatility of playing outside in and, and the way he blocks it always appeals to me as well. So another guy that I really like, there's, there's, I think Chris Godwin's out there had a really good, he's a really good slot receiver too. Uh, did some great things in Tampa. There's some really good receivers out there. However, I just don't see him again. We all just talked about where the cap number is going to go and the people, the people that have to pay. I don't see him dedicating a huge amount of resource to a, to a receiver. Yeah. Kind of like what I said, the quarterback could be fun. If they got a, a you <laughs> know, if they got an Allen Robinson or a Chris Godwin, I would, I would love it. You know, I'm, I'm a film guy. I would love to go back and watch all their film, especially Allen Robinson. That dude's a stud. Uh, but, you know, I kind of sent out a tweet the other day because this is the only thing we know about Chris Ballard. He's going to sign some mid-level free agent or some veteran free agent that we all think is washed 
and he's going to come. That person's going to come here and be very productive or have a breakout season. I was told Nico Autry, Justin Houston, Philip Rivers, Xavier Rhodes. That's the only thing I know for sure about Chris Ballard in free agency. <laughs> he's going to sign some guy that I'm going to be looking at it saying like, I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to do. TJ, I don't think TJ Carey. Yeah. Oh, dude, TJ Carey made me look like an idiot. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was. Oh man, I was so down on him playing outside corner and he looked much better than I expected. So yeah, like all these, all these times to think, that's the only thing I know for sure about Ballard, but to kind of go with what Joel just said, or uh, Joel, you said Joel there, <laughs> go yeah. with what Jim just said. Uh, I think it's more likely that we will see him go more defensive end or, or defensive line with that. Um, especially how, how deep this defensive end group looks like. It's going to be you know, Carl Lawson, uh, uh, Romeo Aquara, uh, Leannick Nagakwe, like a lot of really good defensive ends and pass rushers when he knows that that's something that they need to address. Uh, so I could see him going that route, but big name receiver, maybe not. Maybe more of a mid-tier guy. Uh, Marvin Jones is actually pretty interesting because I don't think he's going to get that much money on the market with how yeah. deep the receiver class is. You know, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, uh, Curtis Samuel is going to get a decent contract. You know, there's a lot of good guys who are going to get a decent contract. Um, so I, I think he's more likely to go defensive end though. Uh, that's where I would see it. Uh, but you know, getting an Allen Robinson type, that would be awesome. Yeah. Just don't, don't really see it happening given what Jim said, you know, he likes to build from the inside out. Uh, but one more question here and I love this one. I think you guys are going to going to as well. This one is from Zach V 1996 on Twitter. Choose five players from the Colts who have to fight the strongest, scariest five players from every other team. Who do you got? And real quick, I, I put mine together already. Oh. Quentin Nelson obviously is your first. I have Quentin Nelson, Justin Houston, Matthew Adams, Danico Autry, and Rocky Asin as my five brawlers. Oh, that's a good list. Um, okay. Man, I, I'm pulling. Up, I just pulled up the culture. Yeah, the, I had to also. That one's on the spot. Yeah, they'll do um, it. Okay. Game. So wait, give me your five again. So I had Quentin, Justin Houston, yeah. Matthew Adams, yep. Danico Autry, and Rocky Sim. Okay. Okay. I think. I think you got to find a spot for Ryan Kelly. Yes, I waffled on him. Um, I, I, and again, I know you, try, it sounds like you didn't try to go all, all linemen. And I respect that. Um, Cause that's, that's an easy way. That's an easy route. Um, I, I, but I, Ryan Kelly, I'll just tell you uh, going up to guys in locker rooms who just kind of intimidate me just, and they're nice guys, but they just intimidate <laughs> me anyway. Me too. Like Ryan, me too. Ke- Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Justin Houston, all three guys scare, scare me. And they're all, they're all nice people, but they, they do scare me. Like they're just big, physical man that I'm just like, I, I'm, if I say something wrong, I know you won't hit me, but if you did, it would hurt a lot. And, yeah, um, yeah. Jim, it's, so those it's, are the the, guy, it's the guys who after they get blown out or something after a game, you do, but really don't want to go talk to them after. <laughs> yeah. Like the opposite of this, like I'm gonna tell you a big guy that like Grover Stewart, not, not afraid of him at all. Like the nicest guy in the world, like super oh, sweet. You know, he's just a sweet guy. And like I said, he's probably he's vicious on the field, but off the field, ah, he's fine. Like he's just a big, yeah. So I'm not putting him on my list. Um, and Darius is close. Darius would be tough to keep off the list. Yeah. Um, man. Oh, you know what? Can I, can I take Zach's guy, Braden? Oh yeah. I mean, I know I'm going offensive line again, but Braden is a monster and it's just like, he, I, that guy also like that guy looks like he could fight off like a 300 pounder, which he 
he does for a living, but then also go run five miles and be fine. Like he just, he's just kind of like a very well sculpted human person that oh, yeah. again could do, could, could fare well in any fight. He so is, I'm going to add those rugged. guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, perfect. Yes. And yeah, Glowinski is also a rugged guy. I don't know what he'd do in a fight, but also a rugged man. Oh man. I'm going to try to, cause here's the thing, right? You need some guys like Quentin Nelson, right? Like mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson, you're right. big athletic, you know, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, but you also need some people who are just insane in general, like, like Darius Leonard, I'd have to have on mine just because yeah. he's legitimately insane. So like, <laughs> I, he would have to be on mine. Uh, so I'd probably go what Nelson, Kelly, Leonard. I like the Autry one. I do like the Autry one. Autry's a good one. Autry's a good one. And rock was a good one too, because of his wrestling background. Oh yeah. That That's a, a sneaky one. pull. I, didn't, I, will, I forgot about that. That, that was also, my thought. I will also throw George Odom out there because I think he is he is rocked up and he's also insane. So he he's also he's a really nice guy though. I talked to him a couple times. He's a really nice guy, but he I think he's got the mindset and he's also really rocked up and athletic for it too. So yeah, I I think those are the ones I'd go with there. Yeah, the guys who can flip the switch, like George, George is a super nice guy, and we'll talk about anything. Uh, but if he like once he gets out of the field and flips the switch, I don't think anybody's quite like Darius. But once he does that, that's yeah, that's that's scary stuff. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today. That was that was a really good uh, Q and A session there. Um, again, thanks again to Jim for joining us and everybody. I'm sure you probably already are, uh, but if you're not following Jim on Twitter, go ahead and get him at Jim Aiello. Thanks again, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, Zach. So we just covered pretty much Angie's list is now Angie and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Everything A to Z regarding the offense with Jim. I think that was a great conversation. Uh, but now we're going to kind of re-gear back to one of our uh, our normal segments, and that is the four horsemen. Normally, we'll give you guys just the four Colts players, offense, defense, or special teams uh, that we think are going to be most critical for the upcoming matchup. But... There is no upcoming matchup because their season's over, and we're only focusing on the offense today. Uh, so what we're going to do is Zach and I are just going to give you our four horsemen uh, on offense for the whole season, who we thought, you know, the four best, four MVP, most critical players, what have you, just four really noteworthy players uh, that stuck out. Also, if you hear crying in the background, that is just my daughter, and that's one of her favorite activities to do right now. So just roll with it, everybody. Don't worry about it. Zach, who are your four horsemen of the Colts offense this season? All right, so I'm kind of going to go with four guys who more so exceeded my expectations and took a huge step. It's kind of the way that I'm going to be going about this because you didn't go MVP, you can go uh, stuff like that. But uh, mostly I'm going to be focused on exceeding my expectations. And uh, number one, I'm going to do with Phillip Rivers. I, I think his addition was huge to this team. He's the, one of the main reasons why they got to 11 and five and were within, you know, a, a good chance of beating that Bills team uh, this past weekend. Uh, much better than I expected. I, I expected good things from him, but he even exceeded my expectations. Uh, just a great fit in Frank Reich's offense. 
uh, and you know performed as well as he could this year. I, I was really, really, really impressed by Philip Rivers. Uh, number two, which we you know we just talked about with Jim there, I'm going to go with Nine Hines. Uh, I, I knew he was a great pass catcher. I knew he was great in open space. I knew uh, he could do a lot of things for this offense. But him becoming that overall like dynamic threat also in the run game, uh, I thought was huge. And also the big plays that he was able to create. Like I said, 19 uh, plays over 10 yards. This, oh, 19 rushes over 10 yards this year. Only 12 combined in his first two seasons. Taking that huge step as a runner, being more patient, having better vision, more decisiveness in the hole. I think that was big. And then if you also add in that he had you know, multiple big plays taken away from him from blocking the backs or holds, uh, especially on special teams. He would have had a bigger year on special teams if those weren't taken away from him. Uh, also, that big screen that was taken away from him in, in uh, Pittsburgh was uh, a really poor and weak call. So <laughs> uh, I think we're only going to see better things coming in the future from Nine Hines. I think this was just the start of what he's going to be. He had, you know, like almost 900 yards total this year. So this is just the start of what I think we're going to see from him. Uh, then I'm going to go with Brayden Smith. After that, Braden Smith. Um, I, I was always, I've always been a huge Braden Smith guy. Uh, I, I knew that he could be a good tackle in this league from year one, but the transition he's made from 2018 to 2020 now. Whereas in 2018, he needed help on the outside almost every game. You know, Jack Doyle chipping, running backs chipping. Uh, he always needed that kind of help. Now he is a bona fide, legit, probably top 10, you know, right tackle uh, in the NFL. Uh, maybe top five right tackle. I, I, I don't really know. I have to look at all of them, but. Uh, no sacks allowed throughout the whole year. Still uh, just a fierce run blocker. Uh, does a lot, a lot of great things in the Colts duo and inside zone concepts. Uh, so I think his progression has been uh, just just huge for this team. And you know it, it's going to showcase in his contract that he's going to get uh, either this offseason or next. But uh, yeah, just just great development from him. Um, and then the last player I'm going to go with another guy we just talked about is uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, I, I like Michael Pittman Jr. coming into the draft. I like him. I like him as a vertical threat. I like him as a guy who can go up and get it, uh, who would block pretty well, too, and give a lot of effort. I didn't take into account how good he'd be after the catch and how good of a route runner he'd be as well. Like, I knew he had smooth feet. I didn't think he'd be as good a route runner as he was in year one. Uh, every little thing I saw from him on film has given me the confidence to say that he's going to be a legit player in this league. I... I, maybe I don't expect him to explode for a thousand yards next year because that's not how Frank Reich's offense really works. But I think we are going to see that explosion soon, where he's going to become a bona fide number one receiver in this league. Uh, every single thing I saw from him this year, from from route running, uh, from going up and getting when he had to, from uh, run after catch, from blocking, from, from every little thing, he he looks like a future number one receiver who can do it all. Uh, I, I was really, really, really impressed with him. Uh, I think that was. Probably my, my my favorite surprise on the year was how good he was in year one, uh, especially with the injuries he had and with every little thing that was kind of going wrong for him, he still had a great year. So uh, that is how I'm going to end that one off right there. I think that he was outstanding, and I'm really excited for the future of him. Yeah, I, I think Pittman specifically, I think his performance really gives optimism for the receiving group moving forward. Because uh, I, I, I think we've all seen T.Y. is still a really good player, but he's he's not like the guy who led the league in receiving in 2016. Uh, Harris Campbell, we love him, but you, you can't you can't put your eggs in that basket because he hasn't been available. Chris Ballard knows he can't count on that. It'll just be nice if Harris Campbell is there. So having a guy like Michael Pittman really show that he's probably going to be ready to ascend to a whole nother level next year, I think that's huge for them. And it, it doesn't put as much weight on the wide receiver position this offseason. Uh, I actually had 
three of the same four. <laughs> so Philip uh, that, that's us. <laughs> yeah, all the time. So Philip Rivers, of course, um, he really gave the quarterback position a shot in the arm this year. Jim, I think Jim did a great job of explaining because we all know fans, fans can throw in the towel on anyone just right away. There's so many of them who are ready to move on from Rivers. But so much of performance and being an effective quarterback is the stuff you don't really see. It's the stuff not when they're passing the ball. He is so smart. It, you know, they had that with Andrew Luck. There's, you know, picking the right audible and checking at the line. There's just so much involved with it. And he opened up the, the playbook. Sure, he doesn't have as strong of an arm as Jacoby, but he opened up the playbook. He pushed the ball down the field. Uh, he allowed he allowed the offense to be really as diverse as it could be, given their health. Uh, so I, I've, I've definitely got to give Philip Rivers one. Jonathan Taylor, I felt like when Taylor was at his best, the Colts' offense was a damn near unstoppable. They did a good job of kind of stopping themselves occasionally. Um, but when he was running hard and just his confidence that grew, you, you could – I think early in the season, he was just being a rookie and basically following his assignment. But so much of being a running back is following your instincts and creating your own yards and finding other holes. And in the back half of the season, he did that. He, he ran so angry. He kept his legs running. He was breaking tackles. He was finding running lanes. I just I think with Jonathan Taylor at 100% confidence, the Colts offense is just about as good as it can be. I also had Naeem Hines, of course. He was the pass-catching weapon we all hoped he would be for Philip Rivers, but it was really that ascension into becoming a quality runner. Sure, he may not be the guy you want running after A-gap all the time. He's the, he's their smallest back, but he you could just see him growing and finding the right holes and keeping his balance and staying upright through, through between the tackles like he hasn't before. Uh, his yards per carry rose, so that's you know that's really I, I was in favor of that one as well. I know that's two running backs, but they were both very critically important to the offense. And then Braden Smith, uh, kind of like Naheem Hines, one area of his game was always really, really, really good, but then the second half of it kind of came up to almost meet that same level. Uh, for Smith, he's always been a quality run blocker, but his pass blocking was so much better this year. And, I mean, you, you kept the tracker of, you know, no sacks, you know, through, throughout the season, what have you. He was he was really good. And considering how much turnover there was at left tackle on his opposite side, if he would have been a liability as a pass blocker, things would have got really ugly for, for the Colts at times, considering Phillip Rivers can't move. You know, Phillip Rivers' mobility is getting the ball out early, you know. Uh, so if, if Braden Smith didn't take that big step forward in his development, then it would have made things a lot harder for the Colts offense. Uh, so those were my four horsemen. Of course, three of the same. And, then, you know, I, I'm definitely in support of Michael Pittman, just as much as I'm sure you're in support of Jonathan Taylor. So yeah. big. Uh, like the rookies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, that's again, they, they hit on another draft. So there's a certain radio host in town who will have to eat his words on that again. <laughs> Wait until we talk about defense and one of us will probably have Julian Blackman in our top four as well. I, I 
think we're going to have the same four defenders, or at least three of the same four. I've I've kind of already got mine, but we'll we'll save that. Going to have Kenny week. Moore for all four. It'll be Kenny Moore for all four. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah, we know Kenny's in there. That's that's not even a question. <laughs> it's a given. You know, my mine is more of a three horseman. It's all yeah. good. Kenny. Kenny gets his own thing by himself. <laughs> All right, Zach, last thing we're going to address on this one. Again, the Colts are not in the playoffs, but there are eight other teams still in it. Uh, four games this weekend, so I'll see who you got. First up, Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay Packers. I really like the Rams. I do. I, I really Ooh, like their defense right now. I think, sneaky. It's, I think it's the best. But I, oh, <laughs> I'm going to say there's, there's a but. Okay. There's a but. I'm going to pick Packers. But I really like the Rams team. I think if they played against the uh, either one of the other two in the NFC, I would pick them. But because they're playing the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers this year, I'm going to go with Packers. But I do think there is a way they could they could win that game. Brand, uh, Brandon Staley and that defense are outstanding, uh, and they can really blow up that game. But I, I think the Packers are going to win a close one. I I share your thoughts on that one. I think I would have picked them against the Buccaneers or Saints also. Uh, but I'm I'm big on Green Bay, and I really want to see Green Bay and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> I uh, I want to see Rodgers win another one. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I think the Rams are plenty capable of winning. I would not be surprised at all if they did. But I'm gonna I'm gonna count on the the Lambo magic and that magic that happens there in January. I, I think the Packers take this one. Uh, up next. And this this one's gonna be a really fun one to watch. Baltimore at Buffalo. I really love this matchup. It's gonna be a blast. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Buffalo um, because I think I think it's just gonna come down because I think both these are like two of the most well-rounded teams in football. Uh, just all around, I think just two great rosters. I think the Bills have the advantage in terms of coaching staff, in my, my opinion, from McDermott to Dabble. Leslie Frazier, uh, I think they just have a great coaching staff along with a very complete roster. I think they'll be able to, to get these guys, you know, in the right positions enough to, to win this game. Um, but I think this is going to be a really close one. I think it's going to be a really, really good game um, where defenses are going to make some good plays and these high-powered offenses are going to make some big plays. Uh, it's going to be a blast watching these two young quarterbacks go at it. But I'm going to go with the Bills. I think Allen's been playing at an unreal level, and I love the coaching staff that the Bills have. Yeah, I have Buffalo in a narrow one, probably by about three points or so, uh, really close. I think, uh, I don't know what the weather is supposed to be like, but I trust Buffalo's passing game a little more. Um, you know, it's, they of course don't really have much of that run game, even though Josh Allen is, is plenty capable of doing damage as Colts fans saw last week. Uh, but no, I, I think Buffalo's really, really well rounded as is Baltimore. Uh, but, when you factor in coaching too, like you said, maybe it's recency bias because we just saw it, but I, I really like Buffalo. Um, I, I have Buffalo in the, in the AFC championship, obviously, but yeah. Uh, next up, the other half of the AFC, the Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. I want to do it. I want, I want to pick the, <laughs> I, I want to do it. Like, just to shut Chase Claypool up, you want to do it? <laughs> to a degree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, so here, here's why I'm actually going to pick the Browns, and here's why I want to say it. I think that um, they have a really well-rounded team, obviously, as well. But the Chiefs, in a degree, kind of limp to the playoffs. You know, like, they, they limp to the one seed, if that's really a possibility. But they did. I mean, down the stretch, 
when their offensive line was just worse and worse each week with injuries and uh, they, they still won't have Mitchell Schwartz for, for the playoffs here. They won't have a couple other guys on that offensive line. Um, some of their passing game uh, just receivers have kind of gone down. And Tyreek Hill is still great. Uh, Travis Kelsey is still great. So they're going to still put up points. I'm not saying they're not going to score. Uh, but I think the Chiefs kind of limped a little bit into the playoffs. The Browns are coming off a blowout win over the Steelers when they didn't even have their head coach or half their players. Mm-hmm. And that, that that is a huge, huge momentum thing. Uh, and we're not talking about a Browns team that's not talented. This Browns team is really, really talented. Uh, it's going to take an, uh, an all-star, you know, you know, great performance from Baker Mayfield. Uh, but I think they're going to get it. I think I think they're going to. I'm going to pick them to beat the Chiefs, even though I it's stupid. I, I always say don't ever pick against the best quarterback in football. <laughs> That's kind of my motto with with this stuff. Don't ever pick against the best quarterback in the league. But I, I'm I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with the Browns here. I think they they have the formula that can beat the Chiefs. And they're they're playing really hot right now, so I, I like them. I like it. Zach Hicks and Odell Beckham Jr. both saying, "Don't be surprised if Cleveland wins this weekend." I like it. I, I'm going to pick KC, but I think it's a shootout. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. I be really, fun. All really, these games are going to be fun. They I love really, this they really are. This is a great slate of games this weekend. I really, really like Cleveland's rushing attack. Like that's. That's always a reason for me to think they'll win a game like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt together. I just love it. Um, but it's, it's me not, not betting against the best quarterback in football is what it is. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. That's, that's a touchdown in, in two seconds at any given time. And we've seen it, we've seen it be such a difference maker that they really didn't look like they were going to win that Super Bowl. And then, you know, Travis Kelsey comes on, Tyreek Hill comes on. Uh, it's it's just me not wanting to bet against Mahomes and, and his weapons. And the last game of the weekend, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. I like the Saints defense more, but I'm going to go with the with the with the Bucks because mm-hmm. I think that offense is just clicking right now at like a, such a high level. Uh, great offensive line, quarterback who, even though he's in his 40s, and and we're, you know Colts fans are listening to this, they hate him and they think he's washed. He hasn't dropped off much. Uh, he's still Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, you add in, he's still got, he's got these weapons that are just insane. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the Saints defense, I think is good, but I don't think the Saints offense has enough to compete with that. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bucks here. Um, and Tom Brady getting to the NFC championship game. It is very difficult for a team to beat another team three times in the same season. But I just think I trust the Saints a little more. Um, I like the fact Michael Thomas is back. Shoot, who can, can Chauncey Gardner Johnson like get one of the Buccaneers wide receivers kicked out? I, I, I think I could see him trying to get inside Antonio Brown's head, which is probably not hard to do. Uh, yeah. I, Brown's already in his own head. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm super not comfortable with picking a team to beat another one for a third time in a season, but I think I just trust the Saints a little more. I love Alvin Kamara. Again, I like that Michael Thomas is back. I'm going to pick the Saints again, and I think it's probably going to be another high-scoring game. Yeah. So, everyone, those are our picks for the weekend. Um, if if you want to follow along on, on mine, I do the over-under and, and the spread and everything on tally side. I'll get those. I'll get those put out before the game start. That's that is who we have got this week. That's it for today. My friends, please remember to subscribe to the show. 
and rate us on iTunes as well. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and really wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hicks too. My written work is on hiatus for the moment, uh, but you can catch Zach's stuff on Stampede Blue and Cover One. If you guys have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, please send them to us through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond whenever we send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online and Just Live. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot me an email. Thanks again to Jim Aiello for joining us. And again, you can find him on Twitter at Jim Aiello. You'll hear from Zach and me again uh, later on in this next week to talk about the Colts' defense from the 2020 season. Stay safe and have a great weekend, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.